Last night I had the strangest dream. I sailed away to China in a little rowboat to find you. And you said you had to get your laundry cleaned. Don't have no one to hold me. What does that mean? And you said, ain't nothing gonna break my stride. I don't know I'm the lyrics. I'm and I won't touch ground. Oh no, you got to keep on moving. Ain't nothing gonna break my stride. Nobody gonna slow me down. Oh no, I got to keep on moving. Were you expecting that, Jim? No, you got a good voice, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks. I wasn't expecting that, Joel. That's that was actually very impressive, man. I've been listening to a lot. Of, like I've been listening to a lot of music at work, and that one stuck with me lately. I feel like I've been like, I've been in like sixth gear since like for the all of 2020, and you know it's. Some people think of that song as like to lift uplift them, but yeah. for me it's more like I'm going and no one's gonna stop me. <laughs> this is my stride right now. That's gonna be yeah. in the top ten, man. That's gonna be in the yeah, top ten. So brilliant. so we've got Joel here from uh laneweightcustombuilt.ca. And uh, what are we gonna talk about here, Joel, today? Well, first we can talk about the .ca, right? I'm all about Canada. Canada. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's really important to me. And I, uh, well, I gotta say because we want to talk about laneway building, but is this an American thing? Do they do laneway houses uh, in America? They don't even have laneways. No, <laughs> yeah, some cities do. Yeah, I'm sure. Do, but I, I can assume Chicago, New York, yeah. Boston. They probably have the same kind of setup with laneway homes, garages so. in the back. Yeah. Any urban environment uh, where you can take advantage of that space, uh, so it, it's going to apply, right? So. Yeah. So we're going to talk a lot about your business, how you got into it, how to build a laneway house, all the ups and downs attached to it. We're all we're at Caracol. <laughs> safely distancing away from each other yeah. again. Hey, Jim, how was the week? Week's good. <laughs> <laughs> Little inside Started joke. Started out great. <laughs> Little inside joke there. Uh, so, Joel, so let's get them out. www.laneweycustombuild.ca and email is hello at laneweycustombuild.ca and mm -hmm. on IG, of course, it's laneweycustombuild. That's me. And you guys can see what's going on online to see what you're currently working on. Mm -hmm. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Run us down your how you got started. Well, I uh, you know moved to Toronto like 2012. From North Bay. Okay. Yeah. North Bay. A, yeah. There's a framer up there. Did my general uh, carpentry apprenticeship, Red Seal thing. Learned how to frame a house. Had a great uh, boss up there who really taught me. Worked with some old guys, but also with some buddies my age. So it was a good time. When you say old guys, how uh, old are we like, talking? Don't start down at this end. <laughs> when I started on the crew, I was with a couple of guys that were like 40 something. And I was like, you know, probably, well, it, this was a second career for me. So I was probably like 28. I learned a lot from those guys, you know, as things progressed, then, uh, you know, I sort of became one of the old guys on the crew. We hired a few younger guys and, uh, that I knew friends from the Nate, from the, City. generally goes and, that uh, way it doesn't yeah. go backwards no <laughs> no it doesn't but uh but all those all those guys that i started out with are the people that i like still do the things they taught me really so those lessons stuck huh? yeah so when did you finally get your red seal uh, what, what was your age i was so i did it in 2013 i think i was like 31 30 okay. or 31 yeah i went to university for outdoor recreation way back um outdoor recreation and geography it was like a double degree program over in thunder bay and uh, i did that right out of high school and worked in that industry for a while i was like doing outdoor education and uh, technically then, speaking you're doing that right now no 
I guess. With laneway building, right? Yeah, well, we're working outdoors, that's for sure, but yeah. I don't know how much we're educating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, moved to Toronto and then uh, inherited having a laneway because we were living in the city. And I remember being a kid visiting my cousin in Montreal and playing in the Ruez. Yeah. And I used to love that. And then all of a sudden I had my own. So I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, we had this old dilapidated garage. Somebody did me a really big favor. Uh, There's like an arsonist in the neighborhood or whatever. <laughs> there, there is, there down. is. I didn't do this. I, you know, this was not me. I did not uh, burn my own garage. Somebody actually lit fire to uh, our car in the laneway, and the car and the car fire spread to the garage. Uh, made an insurance claim on my garage, and I was just starting my own business, and uh, so I built my own garage while I was building it. Somebody in the laneway, my laneway, already had a permit for their garage. Built theirs and built another one, and so now I've been working in the laneway since like 2013. God, you can't yeah. get out of laneway. Oh, Garages everywhere, man. Yeah. So how is that whole procedure, man? Like, I mean, they just approved laneway houses how long ago now? Two, three years yeah, ago? Yeah, two, two years ago, two, three years ago, yeah. Okay. I know some people that have been planning their builds for at least three years, so it's it three, let's say three. So and, where they're the making, and they're making it a little easier to get these permits aren't they yeah Is it's it? as of right now yeah yeah they, they designed uh there's a, a few sort of leaders in, in the in this whole lane laneway development thing uh lanescape being one of them and um lg architects and uh i know there's a few individual architects that were very involved in uh coming to the city meetings and I attended a bunch of them as well. There was a bunch of community people that really wanted to push this through. And so, uh, people going to all these meetings and getting this, uh, um, set up was the way that they approached it was to have it be, um, looked at like a basement apartment. Right. So if you can have a basement apartment, why can't you have a laneway house? Right. That's Perfect a good sense, argument. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so they, they, they came up with a certain criteria that allowed the city to say, sure, go ahead. Like, we're not going to ask you to go to C of A for every, right. everyone, right? So you have to have a certain amount of, you have to meet certain criteria for fire response, for emergency response. You have to have a certain size lot and you still yeah, have Yeah, so the to, fire is the yeah. laneway. It has to be a certain width, the laneway? Is no, that, uh, or? you have to be a certain distance uh, laneway wise, but your best bet is if you have space between you and your neighbor. If you have space between you and your neighbor, uh, they recently amended the lot and they brought it down to 90 centimeters. It used to be a meter. So if you have 90 centimeters between you and your neighbor, doesn't even matter if you own the whole 90 centimeters, you can enter into an agreement with your neighbor to share that 90 centimeters. And if you do enter an into an agreement, uh, it's mutually beneficial. So you could both build a laneway house. But if you have that 90 centimeters, that, so tr that just, trumps. As long as you have the space to... Yeah. Run to run down. a stretcher uh, with a uh -oh, couple of guys right. and, and and you know the the firefighters might have tanks on their backs yeah and so they're they trying get to through yeah there's there was a lot of pushback against this number and, and it's we can get into that it's might we might not want to but a lot of people say you know it, wouldn't the firefighter just come through my front door and go out my back door if they wanted to access yeah that the was my house? thinking is that do they access from the front of the house at the on the street level go through the property to the lane that would be their preference because their trucks are big you know in the old days they used to pick up garbage in the laneways because they had small yep. city garbage trucks yep. and i think the fire department should start investing in smaller trucks because this is coming it's just going to get bigger and bigger in the city yeah. Yeah. um so this 90 centimeter thing might be a good starting point in order to for this thing to hold to get legs and because it makes it as of right and there's a few other criteria that would uh, would make your project uh, or your build be as like uh, allowed in the laneway bylaws um and if you don't meet those criteria then you have to go to cba right and you, yeah. and you can do that as well so how many yeah. homes have you built how many laneway homes have you built today um, now two two yeah, so you worked yeah. on two of them 
And I'm just curious about the rules and regs because I, I remember when I was now two, I built two laneway homes. That doesn't mean I haven't built more that people are living in. No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> I wasn't saying you know, that. A little bit of under, a little bit of here, there, and right. you know, yeah. And so, that and that used to happen in the past, right? Because laneway homes. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. laneway homes weren't allowed in the past, and people right. were still doing it, right? People yeah. were still running plumbing under their backyard yeah. and living back there. So no, the fact that it's allowed in the coach house, exactly right. So <laughs> when I answer your 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 answer, I'm giving you the answer too. That's yeah. That's my answer, That's but but people have been doing this for a lot longer than what we're talking about. I, I'm also hearing that guys are, or people are actually purchasing the garages from properties and then severing them from the property itself and turning that into its own dwelling. Oh. Yeah, right? I, can I've you heard do of that? this. Yeah, you can do that. So I know that someone purchased a garage for something stupid, like a hundred thousand dollars, and then they turned it into a one point five million dollar laneway house with two story and a rooftop. I think. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that online. I, yeah, uh, I don't I know where I got the source, on. but I yeah. saw it somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think that that would be more typical if you had like a corner lot or if you had a way to service the laneway house without coming from the main dwelling. Yeah. Uh, right now, the way the uh, another of the criteria for this as of right situation is that the laneway house has to be subordinate to the main house. Yes. It'll never have its own services. Right. The city's not uh, promising to bring services into the laneways. So a uh, situation like that, I can't remember the address of that one you're referring to. I, I, I did end up seeing it online at one point, but... I think it maybe was a corner lot or it had some type of grandfathered clause yeah. where you do see a few laneway houses, uh, especially down in the core where uh, they have hydro running down into the laneways. But that's old, what, that's old, old infrastructure old, yeah. that they Those I've tried. Rare. Yeah, we yeah. yeah, we've we've tried with Toronto Hydro to get a locate and to have them approve a, a wire coming even when the laneway house is really close to a corner or something. And. They won't, they won't go. So you got to come off the main house. Yeah. So like plumbing my, has to sanitary. Everything. Everything's got to come off. And then it's no different than if you have your basement apartment and you're adding a second meter base, you're adding a second manifold or a water, gas, everything. You're just splitting yeah. it. The only difference is it's in the backyard instead of underneath the house. That's the only difference. That's why I think it's great and should be keep, keep on moving. I guess my question is, are they going to start adding storefronts? Are you going to start making storefronts down the laneways so you can start maximizing that? I don't know. That could be a possibility. I think that would be great. I think if they allowed people to do like a mixed use build where yes. the main level was like a coffee shop or yep. something like that with living above, that'd be cool. I think, and I think other cities are doing that. You, you can, you know, even just a quick uh, look on Instagram for some laneway, like you see laneway coffee shops, you yeah. can see laneway uh, recording studios and uh, we have one in, in Roncesvalles, actually, they're called Back Laneway Studios, and they're, they're, they have frontage on a street, but they're also in a laneway, right? So it, it's sort of starting already, and I, I think that would be really great to activate the laneways with more uh, foot traffic, and yeah. So how do we handle, I mean, we were all kids at one point, how do we handle the hockey plane if you got all these homeowners turning their garages well, into laneway homes? you lost your garage, man. <sighs> but now you're pushing the kids out, or you're, are you going to have like the dents in your garage from the hockey plane, and I don't know, but that's going to, I don't want to get rid of the kids playing hockey, but I definitely want to continue building the laneways. Well, I mean, it's active. I mean, it's good that you brought that up. I <laughs> I'm mean, just saying, as a kid, I've got photographs of me wearing some really funny T-shirts as a kid, mm -hmm. and we're there in the laneway. Like right. I, I grew up at College in Dufferin, so right behind there, eleven thirteen College Street. It's a, it's an attorney's house now, but the thing is, like right in the laneway there, that's where we were. Well, look at even even road hockey. You can't do it anymore. They don't mm -hmm. allow it. They There's don't signage allow it. that yeah, they don't even allow it. But one thing about the hockey in the laneways that I could just bring up is that by 
building all these new builds in the laneways, the city's trying to widen the laneways. So they're asking for larger setbacks than they were previously. And the goal is to get all the laneways to be five meters from one building on one side to one building on the other side. feet, that's pretty, um, yeah. So, and, and a lot of uh, situations in uh, Toronto don't have that currently. And so, so if, if we continue to develop the laneways, theoretically the laneways would get a little wider. Uh, I don't know if that so helps you taking, with the hockey so are situation. Are you taking the garages does right down then, if there is a garage? Or that depends. If you have it? if you have a garage that already has a footing, four foot frost wall, you'd be ashamed to take it down, especially right. because of the tight tight building conditions. So you can build on top. Yeah. So but structurally speaking, wouldn't you have to add some sort of piers or something to yeah, take the additional load? Yeah. But even if you had to, uh, you know, solid fill stuff from above, or even if you like, uh, in one case, I had to cut the slab inside the garage and just do like a little thickened sort of column onto the foundation and we just thickened the footing a little bit and did a bit of work and we actually had a soil engineer come and approve the soil that the original garage was was built on and get a report on that. Um, you're still gonna win uh, when it comes to tightness because uh, it's, it's tough, you know, like uh, to not, to maximize the space on your property and to not get into shoring conditions is difficult. Uh, yeah. It yeah. depends a little bit on the inspector in your neighborhood, but some will, or some are very, very, they, they follow the rule of the law on the uh, angle of repose. And, yes. and, and so that's a, that's a tricky one because you have a garage right beside you and it's your neighbor's garage and you want to have a good relationship with your neighbor. And so it's definitely a tricky one. So anybody who has a cinder block garage uh, would be probably looking to keep it. Unless the footprint was messed up. And then which, in which case you could probably just add, add to the footprint and just do a little, a little footing and a little add-on. How have the, uh, the inspectors been? Because this is new. So I'm yeah. assuming that this are they been coming in with guns a blazing or look, look, they... at the, look at the expression on his face <laughs> no actually actually i was uh, yeah the, my but my expression honestly is a little bit my heart goes out to them a little bit because yeah. it's, it's a difficult it's thing it's difficult it's new for them it's difficult yeah their their names on the line and uh some of them maybe are only look used to looking at renovations and now they're looking at new builds and also uh you get a lot of neighbors that don't love laneway houses and they're calling and yeah. making complaints. Um, so, so I had a look on my face, but it was more just my heart going out to them. You know? Yeah, I get yeah. it. It does. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. If they're willing to work with you and try to figure out. They okay, always are. Problem solving, right? Yeah. Because this is definitely new and it's interesting. And we're taking something that was never designed for a structure above it. It was only designed for yeah. a slope roof or a flat roof. Mm -hmm. And now we're changing. And definitely we're right on the property line. So you start pissing off the neighbors, right? That's so the thing about it. Are you, are you getting pushback from the older neighbors? Of course. Yeah. Well, you know, if you get a two story house built in your backyard and especially if you're like uh, a gardener or something and this thing's blocking your son, mm -hmm. like I can see people's point of view, you know, yeah. like it's, it is a growing city and no you have to land. realize no that land. Yeah, they're not making any more. And this is, we got like a couple hundred kilometers of laneways just opened up, right? So along with that came like uh, maybe a hundred new laneway companies, right? That yeah. all are specialists in, in laneway building. <laughs> now there's this onslaught. And, and once one laneway house gets built in, in a laneway, then everybody in that laneway either wants one or hates one, yeah. right? And so it's just creating a lot of... Uh, back and forth, positive and negative. But for the inspectors, you know, they continue to just do their job, but uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's an extra hassle for them. See, I see the positive coming from, you know, if 
like your parents, you say you lived down there and, yeah. and you know, and it, you know, let's just say, you know, my parents were, I, I would just say there. that my parents probably would hate it. <laughs> I think, yeah, but, he, I think but, you would have hated it, but where I was going with it. Yeah. They might hate it, but as they get older, you take over the main house and say, exactly. you know, mom, dad, look, I'm going to build a nice little place for you on top of the garage. Exactly. You know, you can still be close to me, yep. the grandkids, this, that. I don't have to put you in a home. But even leading up to that, we haven't even discussed income property. Right. Like, it's just makes... Yeah. And I know for a fact that many people that live in the downtown core and the condos would rather have a laneway well, instead of living out. in a condo. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the past year and a half that we've been dealing with crap, right? right? Yeah. It was so much nicer. I mean, so I want to... Joe, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of the laneway, right? I, I want to figure out... What are the challenges, man, other than just logistics of getting in there? Because you have to work from the lane or you're working from the home or you're working from both. I usually park. I usually when I approach a job, I come to the back. I find the laneway entrance. I usually park in the back. I usually work in the back. Parking in the front, it gets challenging. You always get you need your stuff. You need your tools. You're always, so my life is usually in the back. Okay. I, I, I do have to enter the home in order to do the servicing. And it's usually in the basement. I love if you have an unfinished basement. Right. And if you have a very finished basement, For then sure. Obviously, it's a bit of a challenge, but most of my work is out, out in the back. You know, the way I do my signage in the front, tree protection zone, that kind of stuff. Uh, the, this job that so I'm that on, all still applies. Yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. As soon as the urban forestry uh, gets involved, then every tree on your property is is considered protected, whether you're in the back or the front. So I, I'm building a laneway house <laughs> in the back right now. You should see this place. So I've got a one meter diameter uh, walnut tree right beside the laneway house. Um, a so, meter diameter. Yeah, at breast height. So, so the the tree protection, basically the whole backyard, and then there's a there's a maple tree on the other property line. So basically, my whole backyard is tree protection zone. So on this case, <laughs> in this case, and you're working in the tree protection. Zone. I wish I could show you guys a picture. No, yeah, it's I basically I am flanked on all four sides because I have I have garages on both sides of me. I've got, uh, or park, parking pad, actually, the guy's been really nice, but it's we've, we've got a construction fence there, so it's basically flanked. And then the backyard tree protection zone, and then the the, the laneway side, you know, you can't block the laneway, especially on a dead-end laneway. Right. Uh, people want to turn around. Like, we do our best. We're always kind of in people's way, but I, I'm very respectful. And it, the tree protection zones apply front and back, and, uh, and actually, uh, getting back to that C of A thing, like, uh, one of the things the city is really not bending on for laneway houses is trees it makes sense because the thing is that all these trees were planted in the backyard for those privacy for the canopy for that yeah. backyard kind of oasis so it makes sense and it's nice to see that there's still large trees like that yeah but they did still run a lot of hydro back there and then they're chipping away at those trees and making them look weird and then on the verge of tipping over on a really nice storm so I, I get it. I, I'm not a tree killer. I don't. I, I love keeping them, but sometimes they're in the way. But we had this this walnut tree. Um, so we actually had to thread the needle with our services. So we have a we had a tree protection zone there, tree protection zone there, and we had three feet in between both tree protection zones. And we had we trenched. <laughs> and I'll, I could show you the pictures. We made it. We had to make a bridge for the wheelbarrows. And anyways, we trenched across there. And as we dug, we were handing at first because of all these trees. We found at least six like 
like roots the size of your leg, right? Yeah. So we ended up uh, we ended up deciding not to cut them because the trees like what are we? What, if I'm going to protect this tree, then I'm going to I'm going to actually go the whole nine. You right? got to do it, right? Yeah, I'm not just going to cut the I'm not going to build a tree protection zone and work around it for six months and make my life crazy and then, and then cut. cut the roots. Yeah. Like you know that's yeah. like ooh, right? So make. we tunneled under these roots. And, you know, you just find a spot, dig here, dig here, and then meet the holes like you do when you're a kid, right? It's like, that's what you do when you're a kid. <laughs> Might as well continue in life. Uh, and so we, we were able to get right under this hole. It ended up being about an eight-foot-long tunnel because it had all these truths, uh, tree roots. And uh, while we were doing the servicing, you know, my plumber, my electrician, they were all crawling under this thing. <laughs> Everybody kind of enjoys it, right? It was right? a fort. It was a yeah, fort. Yeah, it was a fort, yeah. yeah. But on that job, we were lucky. We were able to, the stack was right at the back of the house. So we just tied in right at the back, nice and tidy, and we didn't have to go around the side. Nice. And, and if we would have went around the side, like that, that walnut tree is like right there, right? So we would have been fighting roots for like mm, 60 feet, Ouch. you know? Wow. And so we got, we got lucky on that one. What's the general vibe by your trades when they first show up on site and they're tackling their first laneway house? Are they scratching their head or are they up for the challenge? They always come to the front door first, right? Of they knock on the door and the homeowner's like, hey, back there, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't matter how We're many not are, renovating. You know, like, yeah. Every email I send them says like laneway house. Like this, the, it's Go always, to the yeah, back. it's just because they're always, that's what they do, right? They park in the front. They probably pull up on the curb or something and block yeah. the, and they knock on the front door. But no, I'm just joking. But uh, they, you know, they see it. They see the job, and they're like, well, "You didn't tell me this, like it was going to be like this," you know. And I send pictures, and I try to prepare people. And I've been working with some people now that you know they're used to it now. You got to build your team, right? Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. And like, um, you know, when it comes to excavations and and my concrete guys and form work and all that, like everybody's starting to get on board now. Yeah. Uh, but but as when. When I'm using somebody for the first time, or if they're doing a laneway job for the first time, then yeah, it's, it's a, a little bit experience. of experience. Totally, and and it's uh, everything's different, right? Everything's just a little bit different depending on the access or the like. Some laneways you can't even get a concrete truck back there, yeah. right? So I know, but the nice thing is that I'm pretty sure Google has gone down all the laneways. They have, so you can see what that laneway looks like. In real time, basically, right? So. No, totally. I'll tell you something cool about Google that I just found out is if you're on, not on your phone, but if you're on your d desktop, you can actually go back to the history of Google. Did you know this? There's a little button. It's really inconspicuous, but there's a little button where you can go back into every single time that Google Street View drove down that street, and they keep them all on there. Really? Yeah. So, so creating a library for every single yes. street. Yes. So when you're normally on Street View, you just see the most updated one. Yeah. Uh, but there's a little button you can click on, Ooh. and you can go to every other year that they drove past. So like for me, for my house, I've got like at least six or seven different shots of my Street View of my house. So do they do it yearly? And if anybody wants a list of all the times I'm on Street View, I've been keeping track because <laughs> I'm I'm in North Bay and at least three builds, like up in the attic measuring some hip or something. And I'm I'm in Toronto. I know at least three builds in Toronto. Where I'm working outside because you see it go by and you, you wave right away, right? Because you want to get in the picture. My van was actually on Google. I got stuck behind it on Queen Street going east uh, right across so it's Gladstone. A van? It was my van. My ha my whole van was on the street feed the whole time that I was going down Queen Street. Oh, like every picture. But yeah, they yeah. blurred my company name. They blurred everything, the license plate, but everything else you could still visibly see it. But someone sent it to me because they were doing a, a Google Street View and they go, that van looks familiar. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was there for had to have been about ten minutes right behind the Google. Dwellers. It's a little car, Jim. It's a little car with a camera on the roof. Have you not seen it, Jim? I, yeah. I, well, I've seen it, but I never knew what it was. It's kind of yeah. like a Napa car, but without the the hat on top. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just a camera. It's a bunch of cameras on the top. That's all. It and is. they just the guy just the the person just drives like all over the city, and it just does it automatically and takes pictures of everything. They actually have people going around on with backpack uh, mounted yeah, ones now. I've seen those. So you can do all the hiking trails and yeah. everything. Yeah. It's wow. pretty. So that's what I was saying is that you can get the, the laneway views, right? That's crazy. Eh? Um, okay. So now you're building and uh, you're starting from the garage down, like upwards, right? Yeah. Now, I, I might, you correct me if I'm wrong, but two stories the max or is it three story? Two stories the max, but I have a job right now. Is Someone's that, that fighting is a, a third. No, it is a three story. They're moving in in two weeks. Oh. Yeah. So they got approved the third. Yeah. Very. No rooftop though. They, yeah, they, no, they no rooftop patio, no okay. rooftop patio. Because that's what it is appealing to me. If you can get the approval for a three-story rooftop, yeah. you get the garage space still, you get mm -hmm. two stories, mm -hmm. so you get your main living story, then you get your sleeping quarters, and then you get a rooftop for entertaining and chilling out, right? But mm -hmm. that's not approved yet. No. I think it's baby, it's baby steps, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody's got to warm up to this idea. Well, yeah. how, bi how big are these? Uh, 20 by wide. 20, right? Like typically? Yeah. A double car garage. Uh, like, uh, no, they're about 700, 750 square foot per floor. Yeah. But uh, but on the main floor, people are keeping space for their... The, the bylaw does not require you to keep parking. It's kind of weird because Toronto is really all about, you know, yeah, so, parking, so right. that was really nice. I shouldn't say weird. It was kind of a nice step towards the future is that the city's recognizing maybe parking's not that important. And it was nice for them to keep that piece out of this because that's, this isn't about parking. It's about living right. and activating the laneways and living in the laneways. It's nice that they kept that part of it. They do actually require a uh, parking for your bikes. So every laneway house that gets built has to have a designed bike parking spot. Right. Inside uh, the garage or outside the garage? It can be outside. Um, but, uh, but, but it doesn't have to be a garage. It doesn't have to be a garage. You can use the whole main level as parking. I mean, as a living space. And actually they'll allow you to do a basement. Um, so if you're, yeah, so you can do a full basement. Uh, you can do a full basement in a laneway house. So yeah. just, just do the count now. So average about 700 square feet per floor. You can get a basement, the garage floor, second floor. So it's a three story house with the one underground. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of space. If you're That's doing a, if you're a, uh, you know, an in investor or doing an income property, you might go the basement route. Yeah. That right? makes you're, sense. Um, you're trying to get, maximize your dollar. And if you're a developer, you might already know a few people, you know, you can. And uh, how wide are these? 20, 25? Well, uh, there are some maximum sizes. Uh, I should have brought a little cheat sheet with all the numbers uh, so I could give you the exact numbers. But the city does have a really good website called the Changing Changing Lanes, you know, yeah. part of their, uh, it's on the city website. So you can go so look Google up all the search bylaws. Changing Lanes? Yeah, sure. Look at look yeah. Changing Lanes and you can see uh, if your property qualifies. They give you a lot of the different uh, criteria that you have to meet. But, you know, you can, depending on the width of the lot, can go like, you know, up to 25, 30 feet wide. As long as you don't go too but big. But that's what I mean. The average laneway yeah. house is 20, 25, 30. Right? 30. Yeah, exactly. Um, 30, on a 30, 30 is foot, a big house or a big garage. Yeah. On a 30 foot wide lot, I don't think you're going full width because you want to get that length as well. Yeah. Uh, so like you're probably keeping a four foot path on the side. So yeah. there is uh, a, there is a square footage size. There is. Yeah. I think it's, do. I believe it might be eight by 10 meters or, or something like that. Yeah. Is it possible to do, I haven't seen it yet, a single car garage laneway house? 
or is that not yeah. gonna, it could, it's possible yeah yeah where they, they, like a, a car a garage on one side which is uh sort of could be kept by the homeowner no no because some, someone someone's garage is sometimes are just single car oh oh can you just build a tiny home basically? yeah yeah w- would they approve that as well yeah yeah you can have a, a single car garage down below and just keep just enough room for the stairs yeah now, that's the, all now the city has this like requirement of a, a, a legal parking space right if, if if it's a legal parking space, it has to be a certain size. Yeah. So, you know, there's a With bit of depth. Yeah. And all yeah that there's like a little bit of what we're talking about. You have to do the measurements, right? It might have to have a 16 foot. What? No, even more. Cause you need room for your stairs. Yeah. Maybe 17, 18. So foot. your stairs will be minimum 36, right? Yeah. But I don't think outside the box, right? Some other person would just tell me, why don't you put your stairs outside? You know, like it could, you could get anything, right? Yeah. The ones we were looking at, they, they were, they had a, either a carport. Or a single car garage, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, all 20, 25. So, what's your average, you know, 10 feet wide is your garage. You know, the next 10 feet was your vestibule when you walk in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then away you go. And, you know, what I've seen is people make like that, they give up the one parking spot, make it kind of like their gym or their mud room or mm-hmm. something like that with the staircase so you can get up or down. And then you still have a space for one car. You don't want it to definitely get rid of the one car right space. Yeah. We've got on this one build right now, we've got parking on one side, which the homeowner is going to keep for themselves. And they put a garage door at both ends. Nice. So it opens right into their backyard. And then the other half of the footprint is going to be the kitchen and powder room and entryway and stairs. And so you got your kitchen downstairs, your living space for, you know, dinner time and after school and stuff. And then upstairs, they still have a, a living room, like a TV room kind of thing and two bedrooms. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of space, man. I mean, if you compare it to a condo downtown at 600 square feet for a right. bachelor pad, it's a lot of space, man. Yeah. How much power do these things need? Like, uh, we, we're running 100 amps out there. And, and what is it? Now, you're, you're drawing off the main house. Yeah. So we're usually... So what if they only have 100 amps? Because exactly. a lot of the old ones do, right? Totally. Yeah, uh, but some, most of the lines, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Toronto Hydro ran the lines to actually be for 200, even though you have 100 panel inside the house you can still automatically upgrade the meter base yeah yeah. well you can't but but there's no lines they they'll take from the main line in yeah yeah they've got the capacity on the street yes to give you to give you you could go up to 400 amps if you want that requires changing the transformer down you have to go underground the city city won't let you do 400 amps aerial anymore and the uh, going underground is like you know it adds like 20 30 thousand dollars to the job yeah um so 60 60 there you go (laughs) you've done it right no one's crazy enough (laughs) um oftentimes you're the person may only have 100 amps in their home uh so that would require uh usually upgrading the whole mast and the whole meter meter uh because usually the mast is outdated and the lines coming to their house will be outdated um, but that's but just an isolation It's charge. a really easy process. Yeah. And it's something that you can actually get started on before you're ready to build yeah. your laneway house because it's just with the ESA. has nothing to do with your building permit. So uh, most of my uh, clients, um, are, we do that before. You know, we get the, get the city the upgrade. Or get the H- Toronto Hydro in. They do the locate, make sure the meter's location, the new meter location's good. It works with inside. We get into their basement, figure out where the stack and where the sewer is, um, figure out if we're going to be bringing gas or, or whatever, the rest of the service. And, uh, you know, that whole like initial planning of services can happen before the building permit's been issued. And, uh, you know, we always do like a drain scope really early on so that we know what we're dealing with. 
Um, and so, so yeah, all these things are super important to the build and, uh, but they're great things to get kicked off on. Right. Yeah. Before yeah. even think anything totally. great before you guys show up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what are you guys running one inch? Well, not before we show up. I, I manage them because, because the homeowner doesn't want to like be a part of all that stuff. No, they don't they, need to deal with no, it. No, if they want to be, I'm always amenable, but it's better if I just get in and, and meet the homeowner. I take my pictures, look at all their services, look at all the things. Okay, this is going to come in there. That's going to go here. This is going to go there. And uh, then I can just run with all that stuff. And um, well, there's minor disruption to the home. Like there's going to be the day well, that yeah. you disconnect power. So they, they'll lose power. Same thing with water. They're going to lose water for the day that it's happening, right? Yeah. Are you guys running a one inch line to the laneway house? Is that the idea for water supply? No, we're just running three quarters to the house. Okay. I think it might, it, you could get into a situation where we might starve the house. If you had a one-inch line going over, that to was the my line. next question. Like, yeah. do you have do you have to upgrade to a one-inch coming into the main house? I think if you're smart about how you tee it off and don't create a situation where you're starving pressure from the house yeah. and do your tee the wrong way or something, then uh, you should be okay. I guess it depends the size of the house. There's a few factors. I know that if you're not willing to pay for the city to come and dig up the front of your yard and do the one in, their one inch part, then you're kind of just wasting your money. Right. Yeah. That's and 11, they, they that's charge 11 grand. Yeah. What's that? That's 11 grand, isn't it? I, I don't think it's that much. If you're ripping it from I the know curb. on a new build to, and only to the property line, it's about 20, 21,000 for new sanitary and a one inch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you and wouldn't it, have to do that. And most of these laneway homes are, they're the nicer, cuter, smaller homes anyway, right? So I don't, I don't see laneway homes happening in Rosedale and stuff like that, right? That makes no, unless they will do it. Coach houses, I don't know. That might be an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this job another, I did last uh, year. For laneway. Coach yeah, house. yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, we brought the services on this one last year. Uh, we did the servicing in the spring and they had a fully finished basement. So we actually brought the services beside their house and went all the way around to the front and we were able to put an exterior backflow valve uh, oh, nice. in the front yard and then we connected downstream from that backflow valve um, and then also uh, so the trench was all outside we didn't touch their basement the only way, reason we touched their basement was to put the 200 upgrade the panel so we took their old panel out put their new 200 amp panel the water meter was right below the panel, right? So, so I, I went into the basement and I just made this one little cubicle out of plastic. We changed the panel, connect the new water, uh, ran a conduit for Cat5 and bing bang, like we were out of their basement, like it was sweet, oh, cool. right? Nice. Um, uh, so we had the grade to do it. That was one of the things we had to check. So that's a reason to get the drain scope early, right? So we had the grade to go all the way around the whole house and, the slope. and connect to the front, yeah. Right. So going back to that walnut tree, you guys scoped it. The roots, I'm assuming, are the entire backyard, if not going right to the front yard. Yeah, so for that uh, for that one, um, the homeowner actually had their sewer upgraded uh, a few years back when they did a basement renovation. Uh, so they told us about that, and we still wanted to be prudent, so we had our guy come in and just do a quick and scope. Just scope just and he was able to scope from the front and measure back to the back where, like, in the backyard, I could see the stack sticking out of the roof. It was an old cast iron stack. But you never know what people might have done in the past. So right. when he did his scope, we used measure, the measuring function and we were able to measure back that, you know, we actually saw the elbow and then we saw where it like goes up and becomes the cast iron stack. So uh, when I asked the, because uh, these people had a tenant in their basement. And so when I asked them, you know, I'm going to make a, a hole in the concrete in your tenant's bedroom <laughs> i wanted to know that when i make a hole i'm gonna find a pipe right yeah, yeah yeah so it's worth it to get that guy in with his 
fancy uh, $20,000 device and have a quick For look. 350 and, bucks. It's yeah, right? exactly. It's and, and, and he'll let me video it with my phone too. Right. So I just hold my phone up to the thing and the whole time he's doing his thing, I'm videoing. And then I got, you the, got reference and man. I got the whole, I can see every branch coming into the basement and I can tell the homeowner. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. We're connecting right here. They, they were lucky with them too, is they, they are, uh, semi-detached okay so right at the base right at that basement bedroom where we came in with the drain that was the party wall so we just snuck the water in on the party wall which uh, you know took me a second because uh, i think i mentioned i'm not good at thinking outside the box sometimes yeah. i was looking at that wall as an exterior wall and i was like you can't run my water line on that exterior wall and then you know your brain thinks oh wait a minute there's a neighbor over there. there yeah yeah so <laughs> so we ran the water right along the exterior brick just clipped it to the brick made a couple of little holes in the drywall just to fish the pecs right and yeah. uh, worked out beauty yeah nice, so we made nice. minimal damage in the basement okay uh, so now we want let's build man so you guys are building traditionally so yeah. two by four, or sorry, two by six framing, and, yeah. and what are they asking for? Same thing. It's just regular building code, bats, everything like that, right? Everything that's going on back there in my world is conventional building, just uh, trying to upgrade a little bit. But then again, you know, I follow whatever uh, the drawings sort of detail out. The firm that I'm working with on the job that I'm with right now, uh, this job I'm doing, we're uh, just at the rough in stage the the plumber the electricals starting this week they um are big into the building envelope they're also big into uh, their name it's solaris solaris okay. architecture sorry i forgot that part so we had a challenge on this one site with the tree roots and also with the uh conditions it was going to be tough to do a foundation so we did like a uh what i'm getting to is i like i like to uh use advanced techniques or new new modern materials whenever they can help me out and so for this, for this particular job, the foundation, we did this like uh, uh, slab on grade that is an ICF slab on grade. So it's uh, the white EPS insulated concrete form, uh, but it's basically a big bathtub. It's not like the Lego pieces that you might be thinking of. It's oh, got these, okay. it's how, got how like, deep are you going with it? Uh, so for the residential, this is the same job I was referring to that has the kitchen on one side and okay. the garage on the other side. So the kitchen side, the residential side, it has a little bit more uh, spots where the bearing was important and, uh, for some other engineering reasons, which I try to pay attention to, but you, you know, some of the details get past you right it's, over your head. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyways, th that side is eight inches thick, the concrete. Okay. And then in the garage we're uh, five inches thick. And then how thickness is the foam? Uh, so on the sides, uh, one, one advantage of this system, it's called a Legolet foundation. Okay. Uh, they actually use them for the laneway houses at U of T and that's how we found out about them. You get your CI, like you get your edge, you get your edge protection yeah. on your slab, uh, because it's part of the form, right? Uh, so you get two and a half on the edges. Um, and then the standard is three in the middle. Uh, but the way that they create, you know, if you do like a slab on grade, you have a, a slab with thickened edges. So yes. you have like the, it's like a kind of a grade beam around the yeah. outside. Yeah. So it's like a raft slab, like yeah. it kind of, yeah. So okay. the way that they create that grade beam is they just add insulation to the middle. So what we do is we have this huge, it's basically, they call them edge elements, but they're like an edge piece, you know, and that's like your two by 10 form board. It's like your part that cuts, it stops the concrete from spilling. I got out. it. Yeah. Cause the, yeah. the old way of doing that was you have to extend the foam past the concrete at grade so then the frost would not travel 
Yeah. Those two. True. And I, I think the rule is two to four feet or something. Two feet. Yeah. Two, two feet. feet, I think. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, that, the, this system actually requires that in some places. Because in oh, some places, yeah, in some places it's How very How do you important. do that in a laneway application? Because now side. you're going to exactly. your neighbor's property. Exactly. So what's you're, your you're asking all, Manny's asking all the right questions. Because like all these little details that are in this Legolit system that I'm describing are... I got to check that out. Yeah. That's really fascinating. So, so the way that we dealt with it is that instead of doing the foam out past the, the footprint, we went with a, a very deep gravel beam or a gravel Base. so yeah. uh, to, to, to mitigate the water right so on yeah. that one side instead of encroaching into the neighboring property we actually have a two foot by two it actually after you have the you know you have your top gravel layer so it ends up almost being three foot deep two foot by three foot deep by the whole length of the building of compacted three-quarter clear because those are the two key elements regarding a slab on grade yeah is the proper gravel drainage and yeah. compacted correctly and that foam yeah that placement of foam if you yeah. mess up those two details that slab is going to fracture or move or do something that you don't want it to do you're scaring me you're scaring me that's what's great <laughs> about three-quarter crock three oh i love right? three-quarter yeah. right? engineers always ask for the clear clean pristine <laughs> it's Tiffany because gravel. It, it, it almost compacts itself. Yeah, it does. It's the like time, the, it's like right? HPB, but bigger, right? Yeah, yes. and and, yeah. and it's so nice to work with. It's that drainage yeah. thing. That's but what's really key. You know, there. you think it's packed, and then you get one of those stinky diesel packers on there. Yeah, and she she goes down. Yeah, you know, she goes down yeah. another. And if you miss that step. Yeah, you're in trouble. And that's gonna be yeah. big trouble. But um, the this so that's this, good problem solving, man. For well, this Legolit, they, they and, and also Solaris, they it was a lot of back and forth figuring this out because, like you say, in a laneway, how, like how do you do that in a laneway? Yeah, Everybody's asking that question. Right? So what's so I asked this, but we missed it. The what's the R value of this Legolit? This foam. Well, you got two, you got two and a half. Yeah. So two and a half of EPS. Yeah, whatever that is. It must be R10 at least. Yeah, so okay. no, it's more yeah. than that. It's actually, yeah. so typically it's about 6.5 per inch okay. is okay. what you would get out if it's EPS, right? Yeah, the white so, stuff. Yeah, so you're basically getting like a good 13, 14 inches, right? Or for, sorry, yeah. R14. Oh, back R4. to my point about the grade beams is that's how they do the, the grade beams is they add insulation to the middle. So you build this huge styrofoam tub and then you add to the middle. So in the middle of my slabs, I've got six inches of insole. Right. Ooh. Oh, so you're almost like an R40. And then, yeah, and then you put your vapor barrier under there, and then the system comes with these special plastic chairs that won't allow the, all the metal to puncture your vapor barrier. And so we have all these special chairs, and and actually the Legolet system is a, it's it's like oh, there's like a 30 page blueprint. So just so for this then foundation, you just pour the concrete in this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pour the concrete right in this it's thing. Brilliant. I know that's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. And uh, the poly actually helps too with keeping everything uh, together. But uh, all these edge elements are held together by two and a half inch steel track. So they these guys have invented a system where they've got their edge elements, but other than the edge elements, it's all just standard. Like all the foam we used was just four by eight sheets in different thicknesses. And then the track, like I say, to hold the perimeter together, um, because the edge elements are only four feet long. So you just bring these track. sheets to the job site? They all got delivered by them. Everything. And but every are they, they're not pre-cut. You cut them on site. The edge elements are cut on site. They all come four feet. Based and they on send your size you, of what you're going to build. Yeah. And they give you four. They give you, and they're tight because they're engineers, right? Yeah. So they, they, they plan this off cut to go over there. And it's <laughs> a puzzle. Yeah, it's a puzzle. And uh, they give you corner pieces. It's like okay. They call them copes. And there's an inside corner and an outside corner. And they fit together nice. And they give you these funny plastic nails that you can push in with your thumb. And they push into the foam and connect them together. 
right? It's like a, it's like a barbed nail. Right. Like it's got these hooks sticking in. You just now, what do you in. do with the joints? Do you seal, bother sealing? Spray foam. You just glue it together with spray foam. So you just put a little spray foam on, push it together, stuck together. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Logitech is a Canadian company, right? Uh, Logitech. Yeah. Or no, who's making Legolette. 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 Okay, so Logitech I thought it was Logitech. Is ICF. Canadian, I think. They're Canadian. I think so. Well, I thought that was the same. Sorry, I, I missed. Legolette, I believe Legolette might be worldwide, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. They, I think I they, they have a head off, They have an office in Canada. Right. I was dealing. The people I was dealing with were, are in Canada, but I believe they're uh, they're in Europe. I as think well. New Dura is here. Yep, they're here. Yeah. Right. They're London or something. But they're they're not. I, as far as I know, the big ICF companies are not doing the slab versions of this. This mm -hmm, is the only. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Yeah. They're they're, they're I, they must have a, a cop or a patented sort of setup. Yeah, that's uh, what it is. But it's and, smart, man. It's really really. So just smart. a couple more. Since we're on it, I just try to quickly give you a couple more details. One thing they offer is they they offer air heated slabs. So you're running uh, ductwork in your slab, four inch ductwork in your slab. So it's instead of a hydronic heated slab you're you're having an air heated slab and the way that they do it is they actually give you this foam system that you bury in your slab so your furnace is in the slab um so you, you lose you lose the need for a furnace room yeah it's really cool holy cow um they also uh how do the you service it <laughs> yeah well no, you just well, open access. up you just open up the trap door yeah wow. and you can go oh, right okay yeah, yeah. yeah. That's very cool. The, the the drawings the drawings are like a, a system. So I was just mentioning about the plastic chairs, but all the metal reinforcement that goes in, they've got these snake chairs, and so they're giving you all the different uh, heights of, of the rebar and the snake chairs, and then the, the the welded wire mesh, and it's all laid out for you. So you have to follow. Like they give you like 82, 82 chairs because that's what the drawing says. It's all it's a, it's it's a Dude, well. We gotta go out and film this thing. Oh, I gotta yeah, check yeah. this out. But there's a lot of reading, so you got a lot of trades just reading this and trying to figure out how to do it, right? Because it's well, be... they they have a certified uh, they have a a, a a course that you have to take if you want to be oh. an installer. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah. So I so used, you've taken that? I didn't take the course. Now that I've done a job, I feel like that's maybe that... as valuable as taking the course because I did my own job and I was there the whole time. So yeah. I feel like I could actually do one again myself uh, because it's you know it's like any it's like a lot so of who's things. there to oversee you to so Le legolette actually require their own inspection okay they've got right. like a right. big document that the guy showed up with in his red pen and check marks i'm liking this company even more and more and man. uh and so then i had to provide that uh inspection report to the to the city because you know the city inspector sees they this and you're like what what the heck oh, is I this know. thing right? talk about new Okay, so now you're building from that point. Are you going two by six from that point, or are you still building the two by six on this one? Yeah, really, huh? yeah. And that's for the garage walls as well. So uh, we did one garage wall as a, a CMU, like a, a concrete block wall, because it was so close to the neighboring garage. Fire rated, right? So yeah, and uh, easy to finish on the outside as you go up. No, no requirement for cladding or anything. And then uh, the rest are all two by six, and we're just doing like rock wool in the walls, and we're doing spray foam in the in the pockets. Like, yeah, the pockets, the whole roof, and also we have a cantilevered part, and also the whole ceiling of the garage. This, I think I mentioned the architecture company, they're pretty forward thinking. So one, one of the things we're doing in the garage is we're spray foaming from above. So right now I've got my whole garage, uh, there's no subfloor because I got You gotta, spray foam it the other way. We're putting the zip on the ceiling and we're spray foaming from above so that we have our tightness up against the zip and then we have our air that like two or whatever, two inches of, yeah. is under the subfloor. Yeah, so we're which, doing which exactly is the way it should be done if you're doing a flat roof application to avoid any kind of dew point inside the cavity of the wall because now you've left the air from the sheathing part and you've put the foam right up to the 
exterior warm, sheathing. The warm part. part. The warm part. See, that's smart. I like that. Yeah, I love. I, I like uh, what I like is just having it prescribed for me. I, I'm. I'm also. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, let sorry. them figure it out. Yeah, let them. No, like yeah. I. I'm definitely. If I see something that doesn't make sense to me, I. I wouldn't just do it, right? But I. I prefer a good set of drawings that I can. You know, everything's there. You know, right down to the grout line and the grout color and everything. Because nice. if you work with somebody like that, which I'm. I'm going to start getting used to, I hope, and then I'm not going to want to go back. Uh, but that's, that's the way for me to move forward and to have all this stuff laid out for me so that I can, like, uh, for me, I'm trying to be a master at the execution and cause I can't wear every hat. Yeah. And so when it comes to design, I feel like, uh, I get in my own way. And, uh, so I just stick to what I'm good just at. Gives you like yeah. a better building sense, right? Yeah. Like common sense, just a, you know, and once you set it up, it just becomes just a natural thing, right? Yeah. And now your focus is just to educate more trades to figure out how to, so then you can get a team come in and take care of all of it, right? Yeah, and bring everybody on board to the uh, overall goal, you know, to uh, do a premium build. You know, we have an opportunity, uh, I think that with the laneway housing, we have a special opportunity to be, it's not a renovation, right? It's a new build. It's a challenging new build because yeah. you have a lot of restrictions, man. You have a lot of restrictions, but you also have a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And, and you got to be thinking, like you said, outside the box. Like you totally have to be figuring out how do we do this logistically? How do we get material in there? How do I build this wall that's literally inches away from the neighbor's wall? Yeah. How do I put all that together? Totally. And yeah, I'm getting better at thinking outside the box, but you surround yourself <laughs> with the right people. I've got some good people that are been, um, you know, secret weapons, right? And certain tricks that you learn from working in tight spaces that apply on the next job. And, and, uh, the thing that, that like gets me is like, you know, we're looking at a, a big job and then we'll have the electrician do the load check. Right. You know, and then now we got to have, you know, a thing for a, an electric car. We got to have all this, we got to have that. And everybody wants all the bells and whistles in their house. Then they get a pool. Then they want this, they want that. You start to add it all up and you're sitting and most of our stuff comes in at, 260 amps that that's what they need well there's no 300 amp service which they should have what's the rule though but that's if everything's consuming at the exact same time but that seems how how they, they look calculate at it. it yeah right so then you got now you got to jump to the 400 but where i'm going with this with these laneway houses i mean what's very cool about it is that you have a limit of what you can draw right so they're, you know, so much for the furnace, so much for the stoves or, you know, if it's a gas stove or whatever, I don't know. But it's kind of cool that, yeah, here you go. You've got 60 amps that you can use. And I'm, I'm not saying it is 60, but I'm just saying you have 60 amps that you can use, use it right. And that's all you're getting. But I think these architects and builders that are, are tackling laneways are also being more efficient. I think we're going back to the way Europeans are doing homes where they're, building the wall cavity better, tighter. Like you were talking off mic before we started, how diligent you are with sealing all the holes and how you have to speak to your trades. If someone's gonna make a hole, you have to ask permission to make that hole, right? And figure out how you're gonna seal that hole. Mm -hmm. You wanna dive into a little bit of that on how that works on, on the project? Yeah, it's something that right now is like my current obsession, right? Like uh, I, I was saying off mic, like uh, I was into tools before. And, yeah. uh, cordless tools you know which one can i get what's the new tool and now it's like it's not yellow is it no nah, sometimes <laughs> right now right now it's like 
always got to say Where's the best it, take? <laughs> Where's our, no, so, that's okay. I got to um, dig at the wall that but, the ta- but all the tapes have colors too, right? So, uh, <laughs> see, yeah. see, it's, it's the same thing now, yeah, man. So now it's going to yeah. be a tape obsession. Yeah, you know, exactly. you're using blue, you're using red. What's going on oh, here? Some of these tapes, I swear, I could sell on Ronsi to like old guys. Like, they, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like these tapes are like the stickiest tapes you've ever seen. Oh, they're right? good. And you can use them for everything. Like the guys are using them to fix their pants. You know, they stick. A, you know, like you get a tear in your pants, you just stick a tape on there. It lasts all winter. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, the, and you the, always see them around your boots, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's breathable, right? Covering and, up and the steel toe. Yeah. It's true. They're breathable. Man. Used to be duct tape. Oh, I used to see it so much. Everybody, would you just buy a new pair of boots with nothing wrong? No, 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 no. The tape is great. Tape is great. Yeah. So, so tape is big. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Getting back to the air tightness thing is, uh, so I was required on one of these jobs to do uh, a blower door test before drywall, like a pre-blower door test. Yeah. I guess that's common for a lot of builders and that's a thing, right? And, and for me, this is part of my progression, right? So that was a requirement for me. So then all of a sudden I'm on Google and I'm searching up how, what are my best <laughs> methods? What, what's, I need some tricks. I need, I need, to, I need to execute, right? I've learned I've learned a lot of good tricks. And, and now, like I say, it's become a bit of an obsession. Does, does everybody have a roller? Yeah, everybody's got their own roller with everybody's their own initials. Got, yeah, I, yeah, that's funny. Back, it's like a roller and a hammer. That's what you got now when you got to build these homes, right? Yeah. Are you limited by exterior cladding? Like, I'm guessing no laneway homes are going up with brick. No, yeah, some are doing it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't I mean, know if yeah. they would do it on the sides, but on the uh, like on the garden side, on, on the, the garden la- side, it makes sense. And yeah. even on the laneway side, if you want your laneway house to sort of match the traditional look of the house you already have. Maybe you're not interested in that modern look. You are know? they still going full brick, or are they going to go like a brick veneer? Brick veneer. Brick would, veneer. Yeah. yeah. The double but generally, wide. they're they're going to be steel of some kind for the uh, fire fire rating, right? Well, on for the, the garage opening, the garage opening, you're still going to need a steel an I beam there, so that can carry the load of brick above. No, but I'm just thinking, when, you know, like you're saying, you don't do the Side. sides, but you you can't yeah. go and put vinyl siding on the oh, side. Oh no, no, right no! Next. You go ACM or you go some yeah, sort of. You yeah, you gotta go. It's a fire. Gotta have some kind of fire rating. Right? Yeah, when you're because you're let your inches off the property line, right? Yeah, actually, you're allowed to build right, right off to the property right? line. Oh, it's so nice. Allowed it's so that, scary right? is what it is. Like, because actually, what if you build... Yeah, so the... If so, you build an inch onto the other guy's Well, line. <laughs> the surveyors wouldn't do it on one for me. They actually wouldn't do it. They would not peg the line. They would not peg it unless I signed a release and said that their pegs could... Move. Be wrong or right. could get shifted by a contractor. Wait, right? a, wait a minute. A survey was getting you to sign that they th- like they they'll oh, they'll mark the property line for me, but they wouldn't put the building my my foundation pins. They wouldn't put them on the line unless I said that it's my responsibility if they're off the line. And so we came to an agreement that they set the pins 10 mils off the line and we reduced the size of the building by 10 mils. And it actually felt me, made me feel a little more comfortable too because because what's 10 mils, right? 10 mils is your parging, right? So I don't want my neighbor to own my parging. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's true, man. Yeah. So no, when they put their foot down, I thought, you know, like, you know, I should put my foot down like that too, because 10 mils is not much to give. Yeah. And uh, I'm okay with 10 mils when the concrete guy, you know, knocks the pin over with his rubber boots. Which is bound to happen. You know what I found out from our surveyor, and he probably maybe he was bullshitting me, I don't know. But he said the weather, the weather, whether it's cold or warm, when they do it, you know, when they do a length of a building, could vary within three eighths to a half an inch. How? 
just the weather, the way the weather works. Tate, I, I Daily still excuse, don't, yeah. I don't, don't, don't understand I don't, it, but I don't. It, it can vary it. It might, it might affect their instrument. Uh, their instrument might work differently right. with the barometric pressure. Well, or... see, that's the calibration because I've had uh, stone countertop measuring going on with point scanning, which is supposed to be like precise to the millimeter. <laughs> and it's but, not. But you're supposed to calibrate it every so often. Right. And there was one measurement done and it was off by two mil. And that actually made a huge error where a piece of it had to get remade. Yeah. So that's like tiny inside kitchen. So could you imagine their calibration on the exterior? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they are off by maybe five mil, ten mil, and they and they always mark the weather, the um, they do, yeah the they describe it. Yeah, of mm-hmm. what it is outside, so that because yeah, it but can t- vary. you taking the culpability on that, that's not right. That makes no sense because I'm hiring the professional. Who's doing all that? I mean, I've seen these guys. But maybe that relates to what I'm talking about then. Because, right? There is like this plus or minus, I guess, that they deal with, right? This range of acceptability. Would you go even further than 10 mils just to cover? Yeah, we went 11. Gee, I would. Yeah, Yeah, I would go that much more. Me? I'd go a full inch, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) I would just bring it back a full inch. I know. You know what? I would have too, but this situation, and it's again, this is with laneway homes, but we had four feet on the other side. We didn't have exactly four feet. What we had was 1.5 meters. And as soon as you're inside that 1.5 meters, no glazing. Uh, and I have glazing on that side. I've got window, I've got door. And if you're not 1.5 meters away from the property line, you can't have glazing. So if I'm, if I'm 10 mils, 10 mils on that side, and then if I shift over though, so the, my only choice was to make the house smaller. smaller. So we made the house 10 mils smaller and you know what got smaller? Our hallway, right? Between the stairs and but the powder room. But your hallway has a minimum too for building. Code. I know. So now we're like 35 half instead of 36. So Isn't we're still going to be okay. how 10 mils just dominoes across the whole board? Yeah. Well, otherwise no glaze. Well, I mean, maybe no one ever would have noticed, but with these new builds, you have to have your as-built survey and you have yeah. to pass your grading certificate. Yeah. So you don't want to mess around, right? So yeah. better to take it out of the hallway than to try and cheat and, and get yeah. told. Oh, Everybody's pushing the limit, right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's pushing yeah. the limits in a property That's the name line. of the game. I mean, yeah. look at in the last 10 years, everybody has to shore because we're on the property lines. Like, yeah. yeah. And we're going Plus, deeper. it's a safety thing too, man. Well, it's a safety thing too, but yeah, yeah I mean... But I'm with you. I, <laughs> I, trust me. You know where I'm, I'm, gonna go. I'm on the same page. When you get that shoring bill, you're like, what the? Are you kidding me, man? Yeah. I know. I know. I want to talk about, you got to be, uh, we keep on going outside the box, but you got to be creative on how you design the interior of these spaces. Like, how do you lay out that first floor and how do you lay out the bedrooms and the bathrooms and everything like that? What are you seeing? Like, what are the little tricks that the guys are doing, the architects are doing that are actually really beneficial? Yeah, tight mechanical room, very tight mechanical room. So basically all wall-mounted, you open up the door and you service it right from the door kind of thing. Yeah. It yeah, has yeah. to be that way. You can't have a large mechanical room. I guess the bedrooms are a little tighter than they might normally be. Closet you know? space? What are they doing for closet space? Closet space, try to uh, have like customized packs units instead of just a just instead of just the shelf and rod, standard yeah. shelf and rod. Some of the people that are moving into these laneway houses, they're coming from a condo where they have to step over the bed to get to their side. It's true. Right? Yeah. So like this they is literally, huge to So them. If, they, if they have 12 inches at the end of the bed to get, just get around to their side... 
That's huge to them, right? Yeah. So it's all relative. It's are all the bedrooms, relative. are they king-size bed or are they doing queen-size beds? No, I'm sure queen-size, yeah. yeah. Like, you can squeeze whatever you want, right? If you want a nice, spacious bedroom and then maybe just a small den that's got a pull-out couch that operates as your second bedroom, then, of course, you could have a nice king-size bed. And maybe that's how you want to set up your income property to have a more of like a... Uh, professional living in it or something yeah, like yeah. that, right? Depends. Depends what you're targeting. What about the I, kitchen on the main or the main yeah, section? Yeah, kitchen galley. I guess we're going to be looking more at galley kitchens, or that's going to be the best way to do it. Yeah, you could. I mean, you can squeeze an island in, but sometimes you're m- messing with some of those magic numbers yeah. for getting around. Yeah. Um, you still getting a powder room kitchen. of some sort? Yep, powder room. For sure. Okay. Uh, if you're willing, if that's a priority to you, which like to me, I'd always want a powder room. Like For guests. And you know what the great thing about a powder room too is it becomes your backyard bathroom, right? If right. You're it a, does. If you're in, if, unless, you're, uh, unless you're an income, unless you're renting out the space. But yeah. some people are building these things for multi-generational living. Some people are just building them because they want a, a garage with an apartment above it so that yes. when people visit, they have a place for them to stay. But either way, um, introducing a powder room into your main level of your garage let's call it then it's your backyard like when you're having a party in the backyard you gotta have a barbecue with so people how does over. that work you, you know they can go to the bathroom right no so the how, partying you mean yeah so if you're renting this new laneway house it's gonna be like easy money when they had the wedding reception in the backyard right <laughs> and then, so you've, you've got the main house i guess like, right like does they he have get, their does, space they have their do space the renters get Part of the backyard? No, because the laneway house doesn't own the backyard of the house. Well, it's all part of the property. But I'm just saying, Mm. I mean, not that it has anything to do with you because you build it and you leave. (laughs) But I'm just wondering, how would that work? If I'm going to rent the laneway house and I want to kind of hang out in the backyard and, you know, the owner's going, hey, Jim, sorry, man, you're just renting the house. You can't set up your lawn chair and hang out. That's why I was asking about the rooftops mm-hmm. because it kind of makes sense. If you get a rooftop patio, then the tenants of the laneway can go up, not back. That's why I totally see it being approved eventually because then that's, mm-hmm. they're going to be their recreational space, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You got to give them something. You got to give them some green space, right? Yeah. They have a little bit of space. There's a requirement to keep some space on the laneway side to be a little bit of a green space. And, so, you know, you could park your bike there and you could have your front entrance. If you were a tenant, you could have your front entrance yeah. there and you might even find a little corner to put your barbecue. Yeah, you know what? I agree. I don't I don't understand why they can't just give them if you're if it's two floors. A certain percentage. Well, you got your main to your two floors and it works out to what, seven hundred square feet for two floors or something. And then just have the stairs go up to the flat roof. You've got a little section. There's your, there's your green space. Isn't there space. a rule, Joel, where uh, um, to build a laneway house, the backyard has to be a certain size? Yeah. Or yeah, the lot? Yeah. Square yeah. footage wise, right? Or something? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. to be a certain distance away from the main house. And uh, there's an angle, uh, of like a relief angle that you should have into your uh, building if you're to try and minimize, like, uh, you know, as part of this whole as of right thing. They're uh, trying to make the laneway houses more uh, user-friendly to every, all, all the n- other neighbors, a little bit more acceptable to everybody, right? And so the rooftop patio thing, I would say, was probably one of those deal breakers for certain, you know, nimbyist type neighbors, right? Where Because you you're, look you're looking down in everybody's back. You're looking right into their bedroom windows as well. Like if their blinds aren't closed, you'd be looking right into that person's bedroom window True. next door. So when they designed the, uh, the, the laneway suite bylaw and they, they gave 
rules about where the glazing can be and they gave uh, certain standards to follow that help with overlook because they, they're really trying to minimize the overlook onto other people's properties to make the, this whole thing more acceptable and to get less complaint calls. So that was, that was definitely part of it. Uh, Is there a lot of negativity attached to this? Are you hearing about a lot of negativity or so far? I haven't experienced it. Okay. Uh, I've had great neighbors uh, and um, so far I'm all good, but I know it's out there. I've had the, I've actually had the, actually our neighbors are so good. Our, our neighbors overhang was encroaching into our space. Luckily we flagged it early and they had their contractor come and cut it off. Change it. Yeah. And really? I, and, and with no fight, no, like, no, like you have to pay for this. And, and I think it says a lot about my client's relationship with their neighbor, yeah. but it also says a lot about my way of interacting with neighbors. Cause we were able to flag this and, and speak to the neighbor and, and speak to the homeowner first, of course, and then to the neighbor and, and get this resolved. Uh, but the neighbor actually cut their overhang off for us because otherwise, you know, well, they didn't have a choice. They were encroaching something that they built like recently. No, I think it was built when they moved in. It was a garage. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a garage roof overhang. So we got lucky. But generally, I would say that it's probably treated with the same... If you're against building, you're against building. Yeah. Whether it's a laneway house or an addition yeah. Yeah. or whatever, yeah. it's the same thing. So, so basically, if you're old and not renovating at any age, you're against this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brother, you guys, you guys are hard on the old people. <laughs> nah. Well, I don't see the millennials or the Gen X or the Gen Zs complaining about laneway homes. I don't see why they would complain. There's no reason for them to complain about it. So that kind of leaves you guys. Yeah. There's, right. There are some people complaining about it because they don't have their 90 centimeters that they need, so they can't build a laneway house. And so you get a little bit of yeah, uh, so that sour one, grapes from, I, mean, I trust can't me, do I would, it, so I would love to go down every laneway and see every single garage as a laneway house. I think that yeah. would be beautiful. I yeah. think that would revitalize the whole city, add more value, get more people in the urban core, everything like that. But I also yeah. still... I don't like that they're really mandating the bicycles and kind of pushing the cars out of that. And I guess they're also asking you to put electric charges. Is that mandatory on? No, no, no not yet, right? The city actually That's coming, that isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it's coming, a, isn't it? New build. Yeah, on new build. You have, have to, to you have it. to run the forty amp, don't you? Yes. Is it forty amp or fifty amp? I don't know, but it pushes everything over the limit. Yeah, you get another you get another line item at that point, right? So yeah. I can I can see the laneway. And then I guess are there more restrictions for carbon monoxide? Or you're just doing double rate layer fire rated, you're doing fire stops and then so if you do have a combustible engine in the car in the garage there that it's not going to affect the, the dwelling above, right? Mm -hmm. Same, your, yeah. Same, same as normal. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. As long as we tape all the joints and we finish it all off and yep. then we're totally cool with that. Yeah. Sound? Do you uh, have to go triple glaze windows on these laneway homes? Because if the tenants are blasting their music, the homeowner is not going to have an issue or is that, that that's not a requirement? I don't think it's a requirement. We're going with triple glaze for... Um, anyway. Yeah, for insulation reasons. But yeah. yeah. No, not nothing too much about the sound. Um, I guess the majority of them are flat roof applications. There's no reason to go pitch. No, there's not much reason to go pitched. Okay. No. Flat looks nicer anyway at that application. But with the design, I guess getting back to this whole... Uh, restriction of being on a certain amount of power and also uh, designing uh, these new airtight buildings. So like on this build that we're doing, actually the, these two that we're working on right now, uh, they're both going to be electric heat. And so, um, yeah, so we're, we're trying to build and the, the building is designed to, you know, keep that heat in. And you're not, you're uh, not using baseboard 
No, no, we're not. Portable <laughs> heaters, are you? <laughs> like, no, it's electric. Yeah. Furnace? Yeah, we, we got an electric. We got like one of those split duct um, uh, with the condenser outside oh, and the air okay, handler yeah, yeah, inside. Yeah, all right. yeah but it's, it's electric. Uh, so we did not run gas to the garages, to the laneway houses. And this and, was uh, the architect's choice? Yeah, yeah, it was there. It was driven by them, and the homeowners were on board. It's uh, a little more for the furnace, but when you do the math uh, and you calculate your returns over a long period of time, um, if you can build an airtight structure and uh, heat it efficiently, then it, in the long run, uh, electric heat's not a scary thing. So, so I guess how do you, you cool it? Same unit. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because those split duct, split duct units, they do heat So you're going that route so then yeah. you don't have to run all yeah, of so the ductwork? Yeah, handler. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you yeah. don't have to run all the ductwork that a traditional forced air gas system would have to do. You don't have to. You the larger, have... I mean, the larger ductwork, right? Yeah. You, well, um, you could run these units with those, uh, you know, those units that you see in the hotel rooms up on the wall that could, like, the indoor, the the ductless units. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you could run those, but uh, you can also, if you're running an an ERV, then you you're going to be running the ductwork anyways, and you can duct this uh, this. Split duct system can be it, it can be ducted into the house just like a normal. Is it really that good? Like that efficient? They're, yeah, really it's efficient to run and uh, and it's very even and um, how's the heat way. though? Is it dry or is it not? Well, it's going to be like a furnace, right? It's okay. not going to be like uh, radiant heat or, or anything like that. Is there so you got to put a humidifier? That's what I'm thinking that you'd have to introduce some sort of moisture. It's electric heat. But well, my thinking is why not bring gas to the structure and make the floor a slap pour? And do radiant. Yeah. Not even worry about, and then just have to worry about AC at that point, which you could probably most, most likely the floor is going to be open concept. So you could put one ductless unit and that'll take care of AC or even back up for heat on those really cold. On those really cold days. Nice, right? Or I guess it's, I mean, it's going to be more expensive to run a slab and radiant versus traditional framing and then run this AC, this electric version of a forced air system. Something to consider though. So yeah, I, I like that they're thinking that because you're you, you're not even having these conversations with traditional building if it's worth it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm still old school. <laughs> Forced air. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I like mean, radiant. You know, do, doing the places that we're doing now, we do forced air, and and the way we're building the envelope, the house I was regard you know talking about before we started. You know, originally it was designed with two furnaces, so we just you know did the whole building envelope a different way and we got it down to one furnace and it was brilliant i mean my gas bill was as far as i'm concerned was next to nothing yeah. for the for the 14 months and we and we do we do a um uh we we used a motorized damper so we have a, we, the we zoning have a, system. A zone system right so if you're you know upstairs it's always and it's usually for the cooling right upstairs is always seems to be a little warmer in the summer especially you got sun blasting through the window you just touch your thermostat, and all it does is close the stuff down in the basement. Yeah. You know, and then it just pushes it up. The house was within a degree and a half of it from the basement to the second floor. Hmm. And it was brilliant. And then we put a steam, you know, with, and then we were talking about the, the moisture in the air because yeah. you need some. Uh, we use a steam, uh, steam humidifier. Oh, yeah. I yeah. read up about those. Those are nice. Yeah. So do you think now that you've done this build with this... Uh, tighter envelope like do you feel like that's just like the new way now like the, that's our standard yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it has yeah. to be that way yeah it should yeah. be that way at least i guess with um it's i mean we i mean sorry man yeah. uh, we what we do is you know we have a little we have a list of things of what we put on our budget so we have a line item that call, we just call it code board i mean it's owens corning's 
name, but we just call it code board and people ask, well, what's this? Well, that's what we're doing on the outside. You know, it's either two inches or one inch. We can get away with one inch. You're still going to end up with almost an R30, which is over and above the code anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we just tape them, tape it, seal it, use all the gaskets the way we're been showing how to use it. I think the biggest thing though is our guys have to get like you and worry about the penetrations, how? right? You know, and how they're, cause you know, I think once we master that, get everybody on board, which is the main thing, then it's, it's, it's just a brilliant way of, of, of working, right? I mean, I we can do one furnace, we can do one furnace up to about 45, 40, Six forty-seven hundred square foot. Yeah, really? Huh? Yeah, that's pretty good. If it's done like this, you got to be aware of that, and yeah. you also got to build it tight, and you yeah. got to be aware of all the penetration. And we got, we just finished. You know, we've done uh, three of them already, and one was forty-six hundred square feet, and the guy went through the winter this year with it, and he goes, unbelievable. With uh, I was going to ask you Solaris there, so they're trying to be more passive, I guess, and smarter with the the building envelope. But one of the first things when you start talking about passive is orientation of the house and laneway, you can't shift it a degree either way, right? So are they looking at, because I guess the backyard side and the laneway side, that's the only two sides that you can put glass to let radiant heat coming in from the sun. Are they conscious of that? That's the idea is that you'll see more glass on those two sides. Yeah, you can't put anything on the sides, right? Because of right. fire. Unless you have the, unless you have a really wide lot where you have like a side setback. Yeah. If you can get, let, let the sunlight in to like heat up that thermal mass of a yeah. concrete, like yeah. you're going to win every time. Right. And, and obvious, and also like you just kick off your socks and go stand on. I know. It's just like the nicest thing. I ever, know. Right? That's so, it's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I know where you're going with that for sure. But it's kind of, I like that they're thinking about that because I think these are all things that we should all be thinking about just in general for yeah. all kinds of structures that we build. Right. Yeah. But so here's a little bit of a downside if you go all electric. And then, oh, the, I, and then the power goes out. I'm not a huge out. fan of yeah, it. The yeah, the power goes out. Right? And yeah. if you don't have a generator. It's true. Because if you have a generator for the main house. You can still it, run the furnace. Oh, no, no. But, sorry. You can still run a gas appliance. Yeah. See, the great thing about gas. I mean. Your stove, been, you turn on the oven and you still got some heat. If you have a heat. fireplace, you got a fireplace, the same thing. Yeah. But if it's electric, I mean, that was the big question with skylights when they started introducing vented skylights and the power went out and then it was still open. How do you close it? <laughs> yeah, they got the hurricane. Well, then they invented the solar power. So is, right. it, would it be like if you go the electric route, would you have to set up some electric, uh, some solar panels to a battery backup? So you have battery backup in the power outage kind of situation, right? That would be a great solution. And, and uh, a lot of these laneway builds have great exposure to the sun. Yeah. And uh, I think like this Tesla Powerwall thing might, yeah. might work really well. Storing batteries uh, in, in a tight, small location with the ve proper ventilation and all that stuff. Storing batteries, a bit of an issue. Um, have you ever tackled one of those? Because I know two electricians who have and they're like, man, this is difficult to install. The Tesla Powerwall? Yeah. I have not. I, I, we've been rumbling about it on one job. And they don't make it easy to install, no, man. Right. That's what they told me. I think from what I've heard is if you're going to buy a Tesla, then get the Tesla Powerwall. I'm not uh, buying a Tesla. But if, <laughs> that's what I heard. And get, get yourself a few solar panels and buy, you know, buy into the system. Yeah, then you start getting into that whole world. Yeah. But you've got to have an electrician who's very familiar with how to do it, how to put it together. Because it's challenging from what I understood. Yeah. It's cool. I but like then, it. Okay, so you get your Tesla wall and you got all your power stored. When all that goes, then what? 
Well, it's constantly re- like replenishing itself with the sun, right? That's the but idea. But this, like, if you're if like, there's no sun, you just light well, a candle. Sun, just, like on some of these airtight builds, you just light a candle, wouldn't you? That's the idea. That's the thing. Right? That's the thing about it. if you build a house so tight and so like yeah. perfect, you can, in theory, heat it just with your body heat. Yes, I've got this guy Austin from Coefficient yeah, Building Science. Yeah, I know Austin Todd you know, really well. Oh, he's yeah. great, eh? he's and great. I love geeking out with people like that. And uh, so he came and <laughs> did a geeking out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I want to get him on the show. Like Austin is he's, a kid, and he knows his stuff. He knows it's like he's yeah. like yeah, exactly. Yeah. He came over to our site and he did a, a blower door test for us. This was that that pre drywall blower door test that we did. He's got a lot of like. Uh, you know, get up and go. He wants to check stuff. Like he was on his hands and knees finding yeah. leaks for me yeah. and, uh, you know, pass me the spray foam. And he was like getting the, like he was getting like, and he, you know, I really learned from him. If it's hard for that guy to get in, it was probably hard for the guy who sealed it to get right. in. Right. Yeah. So any of those hard spots, you really have to pay attention to. He had uh, one thing that he had that was great. was this uh, little smoke pen, like it's a little yep. va- vapor pen. And he came around with me and where, what, what he calls it is looking for turbulence, right? You're looking for turbulence in the smoke. And he brought it around. We checked the windows. We checked a bunch of problems. You ever seen one of those? Yeah. It was amazing. It's like a big and, fat uh, stogie. And so in real time, <laughs> when he showed up, we did a blower door test right away. And then in real time, uh, you pay him by the hour and he'll stick around and help you uh, diagnose some of your problems, right? And it's like the best money you could ever spend. That's right. new. And, and so... By the hour. I yeah, didn't know that one. We found all these great spots and he helped me seal them up uh, with the smoke pen. And then, um, we, then we did another test, which I thought was really cool. He actually brought this theatrical smoker, like a big... That's what we did. Yeah. It's like, it's like a massive thing. And he had this extension cord for it so that he could take it from room to room. He went through the whole house, just like spewing smoke into the house. And, you know, you think it's scary when you're in a black, in a blackout, like with no flashlight. Well, smoke's almost worse because you can't turn up. Flashlight doesn't help. No, right. It just lines it. it, Like I was trying to, like I built this house. I knew wherever, like I knew where everything was. And I was like walking like one step at a time. So careful. You're like, you can't, you're blind. Yeah. And And what are you looking for? You're looking for little, we all went out after he was outside. You go outside. You go outside and watch the leaks and he pressurizes it the wrong way. Like he reverse, reverse pressurizes it and blows out. Yeah. And so then when you're outside, you can see, oh, my ERV pipe's got this little yeah. leak. And so, uh, yeah, it's fine. Sorry. That, no, but it's okay. When, it's we, okay. when we did ours, I actually called the fire department. I said, look, this is what's happening at this address. Don't get alarmed in Just case one of the neighbors calls up. and sees the smoke coming out. We're doing a test. So Austin I, told me to call the fire department. Right, right. He said to me, he said, I've had problems in the past. And so I always tell my clients now problems you probably only happen once right yeah. but so we always tell my clients now you have to call and just give them uh what's it called again you call and it's called a note on file yeah right and they just put a note on your file under your address for that and day. then you actually have to call and take the note off and that tells the oh, fire wow. department that if they see smoke if they get a call then they're not going to send truck. so were you seeing a lot of smoke or were no, you no it wasn't bad like we did really well we were proud of ourselves we we saw a little bit like i said around the erv spot which we were able to fix right away we saw a little bit coming out where the stack was, which I was surprised, yeah. the plumbing yeah. stack. So are uh, you fixing it from the outside or from the inside? Those ones we were able to fix from the inside as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but we just had to go back in and try it. And we didn't fill the smoke. We didn't fill the whole house with smoke a second time. But um, all these things that you do just like basically when he does his first test, he can tell you 
how many cumulative square inches of leak you have, which to me was an interesting number. I think mine was like, you know, about this big, like the size of a pizza or the size yeah, of, yeah. you know, and that's like your cumulative for the whole oh, house. You yeah. can calculate that. Yeah. And so then you're finding them and you're like, oh, there's a square centimeter. There's another yeah. one. So by the time you're done, you feel like, okay, I think I got most of that chunk. And then we did a second blower door test and we scored really well. We scored like a point and note it down so I didn't get the wrong, 0.68. Um, which I was really proud of because we weren't actually uh, targeting any specific threshold. We were just going for like a really tight build, I would call it. Yeah. And uh, and so, but to score 0.68, Austin was was impressed with us, and we did well. And um, the 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 experience of going through that diagnosis with him was also a learning experience and also a benefit to the home. Um, so yeah, I would recommend Austin or or some or some type of process like that to any build. I think Austin's yeah. actually taught me that the average building code home in Toronto is about the size of a two foot diameter hole. That's wow. what you lose regarding yeah. air exchanges. Like you have it in in, in a cumulative, like a throughout the whole entire build, right? Yeah. Because I know you brought up those numbers about the average. What is it, the Toronto one? It was seven point. 7.5, wasn't it? Yeah, around, uh, in, the, in Ontario, it's yeah, very Ontario, high. Like which six is, or seven. That's high. You guys yeah. were hitting a 0.68, right? Yeah. Six, yeah. I think anything under one, you're laughing. Like, I think this that's net what you zero were, home... That's that, what you were saying. You, so were, that's you guys Jim, were one, right? Your, yours was under one, one, right? Yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we cut it in half. Which is what you want to achieve, yeah. man. The nice joke is that if you've got a single digit before, then you're not doing all that great. But if you got a zero before, then you're doing really well. Yeah. Right? But then... I mean, but, if the client... You know, sorry, man. Yeah. If you, if the client would let you... Yeah, because everything's... They money, don't care. Money, Clients don't money, care money, about this. Builders care driven, about this. Right? Yeah. But if you just say, look, let me spend an extra few bucks, get the guy in, and we can really seal this up. We think we've really sealed it up as is, just knowing how we build. But it'd be nice to... Have the pressure test, you know, do yeah. the smoke test and get this house completely. It's only going to benefit them in the end yeah, because when totally. they're heating, they're I mean, not you're heating. spending millions of dollars on a house or a million or millions. What's another couple And it really dollars? validates all those like nitpicky things yes. too, right? Like it, it gives those nitpicky things a little bit more weight because when you're on the job site and you're asking your whoever to do a certain way thing, a certain way, and they're like, just Get off my back, would you? Like, I know, go, but go the, get coffee? the trades who care, it actually shines a really positive light on their skill level. Yeah. That's yeah. what I like about and, it. And it also, if they see the results, they're going to buy in, right? Yes. Like my framers that I used on this one that we did 0.68, they came to this next job and like, we're going to beat it, Joel. Like, you know, like, and, and they were and call, just they're calling me and cocking everything, they're right? cocking everything. Exactly. Yeah. Wasting all my cocking on everything. <laughs> all the tape. Yeah. All yeah. the tape, man. But, um, they're calling me hashtag air boss, you know, I could, <laughs> because, because I'm, uh, I'm like being a little bit too nitpicky. Right. But, um, that's it, not a bad hashtag. It man. becomes, it becomes a bit of a joke, but it also becomes a bit of an obsession and it's the right obsession, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's something that's worth obsessing about. I want to ask because I want to get into numbers. What are laneway houses? Houses like what are they costing? Yeah, that's that's the one I want to know. <laughs> are, what, are we at a premium? We're at a premium, right? Yeah, we're definitely at a premium. We have to be. Yeah, it's you, you can't even really build a laneway house for the cost you could build a house. Yeah, Put it that way, right? Because, are you twice as much? This, almost. Really? Okay, almost. so let, let's let's get numbers. So you got seven hundred square feet you're building. Yeah, it's like the square foot numbers on a laneway, the per square foot numbers on a laneway house. Like, where's the water? Where are the watered down square feet? Like, where are the middle of the rooms? There's no middle of any room, no. right? Every square inch is. It's 
15 pounds of shit in a 10 pound bag, right? Like it's, <laughs> right. It, it's really hard to pack in. Yeah. So, um, there's the, the per square foot number seems out of whack. So if you, if you use that number, it, it, people don't like it, but you know, you can easily be spending four or $500 a square foot. Yeah. That's what I right? thought it was. You know, it's, yeah. it's, so and you're that's building the reality. 750 square feet. This yeah. one you're doing per now? floor, per, per floor. floor. Yeah. Per floor. Well, it depends if they keep the garage or not, and depends what what square footage you're counting, right? Like if the garage is a studio or so. The one you finished. Yeah. How big was that? Um, so we're like six fifty and six fifty above that. So we're thirteen. Yeah. And what did that cost? Five hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars, construction costs. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. At four fifty. And so you're getting a. Really That's what that one cost. Or yeah, yeah, he's close. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, is this what we do? We just talk about clients' numbers? Like, on, no, uh, no, no. We want to just talk clients' numbers. No, I mean, you're it's, right. You're right. It's, it's, it's a number. Knows. Of course, yeah. it's just a number. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, that is what it costs. And 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 you know, they're they're probably getting a good a good deal. But really. there's a lot of detail. There's a there's lot. So much there's detail. a lot of detail. A lot of quality. And you're using different products. And you're sealing the house better. And you're making it more efficient. And like, so that's, that's not unreasonable to think 450. Right. And, and the reason I bring this up is my, my buddy's got shitload of land out West and he wants to build on it and sell. So he was looking at the, this, uh, I won't say the name of the company, but this company out West, it's kind of like, you know, they use the seed cans or they do this, they do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And, and I was looking at the numbers. And he was telling me, you know, I got to get these guys to build all these places for me on this property. So I'm looking at one that's, you know, 350 square feet and, you know, they want 169,000. And I go, oh, look, you start to do the math. Mm -hmm. It's what we say, $400, $500 a square foot. Well, why, why would I want a sea can? Why can't I just go ahead? And that's why I asked... Yeah. Are you just building on site? Because I think that's the better way. To build it on site instead of modular or something? Yes. I agree with you. I do. I don't know if modular... Have you been asked to do that, Joel? Like to mm -hmm. do a modular laneway? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a better way of building it. I mm -hmm. don't think so. I think you. I think the, because of the restrictions that you have, I think you need tradespeople that can scratch their head and problem solve right then and there. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can actually bring assembly and try to put it together on site because I think there's going to be too many... I think there's going to be issues as a oh, result of it. Definitely. Like there's a market for every type of build. Yeah. So certain properties will, will be excellent candidates for this type of build. Could you crane modules right over the main house? Yeah, you could, uh, but somebody better be on board day one. Yeah. yeah but that's going to be tough because we talked about doing that and everything else. I mean, you got to get the cop. You got to get oh, the police crazy. involved. You got to yeah. tell everybody, you know, you can't use your house or you can't use your laneway right now because we've got to. And then where are you even going to put the thing? Where are you going to set up the crane? One piece at a time is the way to go. You know, oftentimes, right. oftentimes you're pumping concrete back there. You can't even right. get, you know, sometimes you can't even get wheelbarrows, right? So back there, it's that tight. It depends, right? But um, buckets, eh? We go back to buckets? Yeah, back to buckets. <laughs> So you've been doing it since 2013, point. but it feels like you, you like you got a nice knack for it now that I guess it's just moving forward and just wait for the city to get ahead of you guys because it feels like, in typical construction, they're always behind new tech, new ideas, and I'd love to see the laneways continuing. I'd love to see every single garage turn into a laneway, right? Like you guys said, not every neighbor is going to be willing to do that or want to do that. 
No, but it's the, the communities change over, right? And the yeah. city changes over and the city's always growing. So it, it's something that I think is kind of inevitable. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, yeah, you get, you get like, um, somebody from, uh, they live in a big city like Japan or, or, or a very po- uh, populated dense city and they walk through our laneways and you know, they like, they kind of wonder who lives back here. Mm-hmm. And then to find out that only cars live back here, like, you know, like <laughs> that, that would, that freaks them out. Right. Only so, cars live back you know, here. So, so to, to turn all <laughs> these cars, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that, that freaked them right out. Right. It's, so it's true. It's a waste. Yeah. So, and, and then, and the whole thing about the aging population and turning these properties into multi-generational. That's uh, smart. That's really, uh, really it's, it's smart. It's the way. It's yeah. the way, right? And so now, now with the laneway suites thing is getting legs. Now the city's also going to start allowing, they've approved allowing garden suites, right? And so the garden suites are what we jokingly referred to before as laneless suites, right? It's a, everybody who doesn't have a laneway wants to have a suite now, right? Okay. Um, so there's What's a lot the of size of the garden one. So I don't know the, this, these by they're, they're just in the middle of approving it right now, like okay. in 2021. So I don't know exactly what square footage they've approved. This wouldn't be like a shed or something. Like it's that. a garden suite. So it's a coach house. Basically, a coach house. Yeah. Basically coach houses before were only grandfathered in. If you had a coach house, you can have a coach house, but if you don't already have one, you were only allowed to build a shed. Right? Which is 108 square feet, I something think like that. Yeah. Now the the floodgates have opened, so now they're going to start allowing people to build garden suites, and so it's not I like it. It's not only laneway housing now. Now it's laneway housing and garden suites. So this whole multi generational living and this whole you know income property, whether it's in your basement or it's in your backyard, um, using your your whole footprint of your property uh, to, to maximize your life and to enrich the city and increase population density. It's all coming, right? It's, yeah. it's inevitable. I like it, Jim. <laughs> Busy morning on a Saturday. Christ. <laughs> Just cut Jim on the phone. That's all it was. <laughs> so, Joel, no, thank you so much. I got to, we haven't even, like, this has been amazing, man. It's been 90 minutes. We're talking about laneway building. And I love it, man. I'm actually, I want to pass by your site and take a look at it. Yeah, I'm you're welcome. About it. I want to yeah, see that whole anytime. slab. I know. Yeah, be come see the slab. Right? And if you guys come by, I saved some of the elements, like the edge element yeah. and some of oh, these different. Cool. I saved them all. So I have them on site. We could do a little show and tell. And Let's do sure. that. I so you know what's it. great about that, that? And really, the big thing for me was the actual cost. Yeah, because, you know, it, but you know what? Uh, you got to get that number out here. People, clients, and everybody got to understand. They have to understand that it's yeah. going to cost this much. This yeah. isn't like. It's not a sea container that you're dropping in the backyard and right. lining it with drywall and go here, move in. It's not that, right? This is actually a just, home. But it's it, it's throughout the whole industry that people have a false reality of what things are worth. Like um, when I started out in 2013 doing just garages in the in the laneways, like people thought they could build a garage for thirty thousand yeah. dollars. It's just like that's funny. You know, the slab cost twenty thousand, like almost twenty thousand. By the time you demo your old garage and do the excavation, put a slab in, and all this stuff. You know, you've already blown the budget. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. So, so and now. So where are they getting their numbers from? Exactly. And they're getting their numbers from a false place. But you do. TV. <laughs> you do. Have, <laughs> uh, who's that? That was Jim. That wasn't me. No, no, that, that, it's true. And I think it's our job that we have to educate them and let them know that it does cost this much to do it properly. Right. And it's not that you're trying to gouge them because of the logistics or anything like that. It's just that this is what construction costs. And I think some people can build themselves a very quaint laneway house that would just have, you know, level one 
garage stairway. Yeah. Level two, open concept, Beautiful. small kitchenette. Yes. Little powder room. Yes. Nothing else. And can you do that for like 200 bucks a square foot and bing, bang, boom, and you got your space and uh, some people can do that, right? And, and that might be a model that some people will uh, adopt. They, basically, they just want a garage, but with the extra height that a laneway house offers. And there are going to be some people that will go that route. But if you want to use it as a home, then it needs to be built like a home. Yeah. And if you can build a home in Toronto for 600 k and be living downtown, you're laughing. That's a good, right. that's a good price actually. Right. And you, there, there's no land cost, right? Yeah. It seems to me like the cost is secondary and it's whether or not you want to do it. Well, first of all, whether you qualify, but whether or not it, you want to do that to, it, does it fit with your life? Right. And, and for a lot of people it will. I, I forgot to ask a question about the permit process. Does it take longer to no. get, or is it the same? I, it, it's, it, they've, they've set it up as a, as a, it's an, as of right process. So it would take just as long. 10 days. If I mean, it depends. What's on going your on? Yeah, exactly. Of course, yeah. and if you're. But it's still can, treated like a regular you, permit application. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it, man. We gotta go check it out, Jim. Yeah. No, I. I think. It's, I think it's brilliant. You guys but again, you know, the, the, big, the biggest thing for me <laughs> is the, is the cost. Here, Joel, he's like, we gotta take the show on the road. Uh, <laughs> you guys should have Austin <laughs> to the lane come and do, should, Yeah, do a do one of those blower door test things with Austin too. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get on site and start doing podcasts that way. No, I agree with you, man. Okay, so Joel, thank you so much, man. Once again, guys, everybody, www.laneweycustombuild.ca and email him uh, for his next job. Hello at laneweycustombuild.ca and also on IG, laneweycustombuild. I got one last segment for you. The 12 questions of construction. Uh, can I share it? Can I thank just a couple people? You can like, thank as many I people as you like. I just want to thank like everybody that's on my crew. Oh, how, totally. How hard give, them, give out their IGs. Give out yeah. everything, man. Oh, for I sure. I don't need to get out names and everything, but I just <laughs> want to make sure I thank everybody on the crew that works so hard. Um, that includes my wife, who's also my partner in business, and she's like keeps me on track and takes care of all nice. the business side of things. I think every contractor needs that. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, huge shout out to everybody who's uh, been helping me along the way. Cool. Awesome. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. What is your favorite construction word? Watch me go. Why? What is your least favorite construction word? Can't do that. What turns you on in construction? Being an air boss. <laughs> i like that title man what turns you off in construction not taking it to the to the end and to the, the full like, potential the, not doing the whole nine like the uh, whole nine yards right uh, favorite curse word or phrase oh, mon Saint -Sacrament. Fais -moi jamais ça. <laughs> Tabernacle. <laughs> what is your favorite car truck or vehicle bike whatever I'm looking forward to getting an electric pickup. You're going to get a Cybertruck? No, I'm going to wait for whatever's good. I'm, I'm, oh, all... I'm glad that you said that. I'm going to wait for whatever's good because yeah. that Cybertruck is going to fail, in my opinion. But I see that you're driving the same truck as uh, Jim here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, but they're, they're coming out with a hybrid. They make, they make an electric F-150. Like then it's going to be like it the, is. It's, it's going to be like the Winchester 3030. They're going to sell coming. millions of them, right? It's, it's coming. coming soon, like yeah, really yeah, soon. Yeah. yeah. It's and, and yeah. I would I would respect that electric vehicle. Yeah. But that's just me. Uh, your least favorite vehicle? My wife's because it's always got all the kids like their French fries and they're like <laughs> all their. I got three kids, right? I got I got two year old, a five year old, and a seven year old. Well, you got a Three oh, girls. So you got a buffet yeah, so back there. We got the there, Dodge right? Caravan. <laughs> A buffet back there, yeah. <laughs> That's my least favorite vehicle. What construction sound or noise do you love? Um, probably skill saw. 
like this core, like just yeah. cutting wood, right? Like uh, framing, framing sounds. Framing. Uh, yeah. What construction sound or noise do you hate? The sound of the guy cleaning the porta potty, that engine. I don't know. As it, ra- as <laughs> it wraps up, all sounds. I guess all sounds. Like my ears are a little bit more sensitive these days uh, than others, right? Join I've been the club. Join yeah, the I've club. Been trying to cover. <laughs> you know what my sound I've been was? trying to cover up the one you don't like. This. Silence. Silence. Yes. <laughs> that means nothing's happening. Right? Right. Yeah. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? One I would hate is wind. I hate that right. sound on site. Oh. What other professional event would I like to attend? What? No, no. What professional other... <laughs> <laughs> is this a professional event? I thought... <laughs> no, no, no. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh. Um, I, I would have... I could have been a... I, sh- I would have liked to have been a doctor. A doctor? Yeah. Oh, man. That's like from one extreme to the other. Well, you're a surgeon of construction, right? Yeah. So, uh, what profession would you not like to do? Roofing. <laughs> roofing's hard. Sorry. Roofing's hard, man. Uh, Two sorry, weeks ago, I installed the I got skylight. some good friends that are roofers uh, too. I'm sorry. It's just that's no, a tough it's one. a hard job. You got to be part animal, right? But yeah, it, they, you, but you they're do. good at what they do. I'm not taking anything away. But it, it's, it's a hard a, job. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. Last yeah. question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. There we go. <laughs> Joel, thank you so much. Again, everybody, check him out at www.laneywaycustombuild.ca and email him hello at laneywaycustombuild.ca and on IG, Laneway Custom Built. Laneway Custom Built. That's yeah. why I can edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. You got any other questions or nothing? No, you know what? This was brilliant. I mean, I really, because I've sat down with a few companies that are trying to do this and just come and drop the walls off and yeah, it doesn't all work. this kind of, and, and you know, and my, my thing to him was, I said, guys, like you just don't, it's all great to sit around a table and go build this thing in a, in a perfectly, you know, yeah. <laughs> room. And then you bring it to real world, hand it over to, to us. And my argument was the logistics of it all. You guys really don't understand what it's going to take to put this together. I would just urge people, if I could say one last thing, if you're looking at building a laneway house and you're going to select a company to build it, check their business address. You know, if they're up in Vaughan, they've probably never even been in a laneway, right? So No, you need a it, Toronto contractor. You need somebody in Toronto. You need somebody who understands, somebody who maybe even has their own laneway, right? Yeah. And they know what it's like down there. They have connections with uh, suppliers in the city and they know how to move material in a in an urban environment well just I, yeah i think just have the the understanding of of what they're up against yeah like you know what? you don't have I mean, to be it's shitty to say but you're up against neighbors you have to know how to deal with it you're right up against neighbors right i'd like to try it one day uh, yeah. i'll see i don't i won't take any business but i just want to try yeah. it one day because i'm challenged by it there's a hundred like there's hundreds of kilometers of laneways out there you yeah. can take uh, there's enough pie for everybody i know right? yeah. that's what i love here yeah. is that there's more than enough work for everybody yeah okay gentlemen thank you very much again joel it's great talking to you finally meeting you and getting on the show man yeah, yeah. very cool cool nice to meet you guys all right guys thanks so much man we'll see you see you later yeah.